What is that? Car alarm? Oh, man. Okay, take five. Everybody go outside and see what's your car. No, we can They stop. They reset, right? Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you know what tonight is, right? Well, there's that, right. But, but there's all, tonight's also too late. It's too late to get that special someone, that special gift you were meaning to. The one you wanted to buy but never got around to. Your next chance is liable to be like Groundhog Day, even if you celebrate that with gifts or not. But if you do, thinking about getting them the same thing this year, you got them last year for Groundhog Day because you forgot to get them anything on Christmas, not going to make it. It's going to be too little, way too late. I always like to start my own Christmas window shopping with the annual Neiman Marcus Fantasy Catalog. I was relieved this year to find that even though I couldn't afford a $400,000 one-hour makeup session with a famous makeup artist to the stars, um, there wasn't really much else in there I even wanted anyway. I don't care about a $250,000 front row seat at New York's Fashion Week. I don't care about a $70,000 My Imagination's the Only Limit custom-built doghouse from a company called Rockstar Puppy, which sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? I don't care about a $110,000 custom-made pair of sneakers from some famous designer in Tokyo I never heard of, and that custom-designed Daniel Craig, James Bond, Aston Martin, well, wait a minute, I do care about that $700,007 cool car, and the fly to England to watch it come off the assembly line and throw in a really cool Omega Seamaster 300-meter, not watch, timepiece. Because the last time I was underwater 300 meters, my 1095 Timex just gave out. And you get to go to the world premiere of the new James Bond movie. I could probably care about that. Not because of the disposable money it would suggest that I have, which I don't, but because along with each of the catalog's fantasy gift descriptions is a little paragraph titled, the feel-good factor. It promises that a portion of the money you just spent on that gift will go to a great charity. Because whenever I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a, on a present for, well, myself in this case, it always helps relieve the guilt of all those hungry people that money could have been used to feed when you know that at least some people are probably going to get fed. So much for the fantasy part of Christmas, right? For me, it's time to take it down a few notches. Move on to things like Hydrotech's air-conditioned shoes with little fans built into them. Or maybe even an under $15 uh, LED toilet bowl nightlight because, well, the darkness can hold danger, right? Even there. Or you might be interested in what I settled on. A $9.99 man bun for my hair. (laughs) So that after I take off my minister man costume in a little while, I can look all hipster. The problem is, see, I ordered platinum blonde, and I thought it'd be a perfect match, but they must have done something when they made it. It's not quite right. Well, anyway, there are a couple points there that we're really all about tonight, though. The darkness holds danger, and a light has come into the darkness. We're here tonight to celebrate the fulfillment of a promise, a promise God first made to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden while they were packing their things to move out. They'd been evicted. They had everything there they could ever have wanted until Satan came along and tempted them into disobeying God. He convinced them that they lacked just one thing, to be like a God themselves, something that never even crossed their minds. We call it the fall of man. And that fall turned out to be a very long, very slippery slope. 
Not only were they asked to leave their garden home, but their perfect connection to God and his perfect will for them was broken, was severed by the disobedience, by sin. So time goes by, and on that very first Christmas, that promise God had made to them that he would send a Savior to rescue mankind from sin became a promise fulfilled in a way most people would never have imagined, even though God had sent uh, prophets over the years with some pretty explicit details of that plan, details that would give his people hope, remind them that even though they needed more than one course correction over the centuries, he still loved them and, and he would never abandon them. There are just 20 verses in Luke's version of the Christmas story. We just read them. From the world's point of view, you can all boil it all down, I guess, to an unexpected child being conceived in an unexpected way and born to unexpected parents in an unexpected place at an unexpected time. And the only ones to hear about it live were the least expected people of all, ordinary shepherds watching their flocks by night. Not the kind of script any of us might have written for God's debut into our world, but there it is. God's plan. The creator of all mankind humbled himself to be born into a blue-collar family and in a stable of all places, and that only through the kind heart of an overworked innkeeper. The night all history was divided into B.C. and A.D., when God came to earth, all wrapped up in a seven-pound, eight-ounce baby boy. The only thing flashy about God, uh, the God of all creation becoming Emmanuel or becoming God with us was the birth announcement. A whole choir of angels appearing to poor shepherds whose trade occupied a rung about as low on the social ladder as you could even get in those days. That and an especially bright star in the night skies. Who would have guessed that the events of that night would mean the difference between a joyous an everlasting life in heaven with God or a hopeless life everlasting spent apart from him. My heartfelt prayer is that the lessons and the carols and the words shared in churches around the world tonight might open the hearts and minds of people to embrace the hope God has given us in the gift of his son before it's too late. You know, in these tenuous times when governing for the people has turned into political posturing and infighting, when some of our own sons and daughters are still being sent halfway around the world and put in harm's way just to, to keep us safe here at home because the world's not, just not a safe place. Did you even hear the words of the angels to the shepherds tonight? The ones guarding their flocks. They said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Savior. Imagine that. To save us from what exactly? War? It's been 2,000 years since that first Christmas. There's still plenty of war in the world to go around. Pestilence? Famine? Global warming? Earthquakes? Volcanoes? Cruise ships playing bumper cars? (laughs) Couldn't have been, right? Based on all the evidence around us. To save us from what then? To bring us what good news exactly? To bring us peace. Not horizontal peace, not... Worldly peace to the north, south, east, and west. Not peace among the nations of mankind. That peace is coming, but it's not here yet. No, God sent his son to make it possible for a whole different kind of peace. The kind you can't go on living without. One vastly more important than peace between nations and peoples. Those kinds of peace accords come and they go all the time. But there's another peace we should be seeking that transcends all earthly peace. Peace between God and man. That peace comes from from faith and from his unconditional forgiveness. And if this world were all there was, 
and we simply appeared on this rock and put in our 40 or 60 or 80 or maybe 100 years and then returned to the dust, it wouldn't make much difference where we stood with him. But there is more. And don't bet your eternity that there isn't. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain by keeping an open mind about this. This life is just, just part of our journey. It's a stopping off place on our way to forever. And where we stand forever depends on where we already stand with God when we get there. Christmas tells us that we can be sure that we can be sure of that future. Earlier we heard the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before Jesus was born talking about people walking in darkness who saw a great light. I don't know. It doesn't seem all that dark in here to me tonight. I want to get home after worship. When you get home after worship, you'll go into your house and reach over and flick a switch on the wall and be a washing light. Artificial light maybe, but light with all the, the, uh, the, 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 the uh, qualities of, of, of light anyway. Uh, the benefit's just the same. Isaiah had light. He had lamps for light. But the darkness he's talking about isn't the absence of physical light. He's talking about the presence of sin and about the light God would send to dispel the power of sin darkness in our world, the light we celebrate tonight, a light of his own son born into the flesh, Jesus, true God and true man. God had come into our world to bring us light that would drive away the darkness of sin with his love and his perfect life and his sacrifice for us on a cross and his glorious resurrection and his unconditional forgiveness. The true light at the end of the tunnel. You know, like driving back into the light when you're coming out of a tunnel. It's so bright, you've got to kind of squint. It's light like that, only this time, this time the light is God's love embrace. And with that humble birth also came a chance for us to get to, to know our Creator God. That He's not just some all-knowing, all-powerful God, you know, out there somewhere spying on us to see if we're good or bad. A truly personal God. God with us who came in response to our need by his choice, a God who came to rescue us. You know, a lot of people don't think they need rescuing. They don't think they need saving. It seems to, to go against our nature, I guess. We figure we're doing all right on our own because we can always look around and point to somebody else who's living way worse than we are, someone who maybe ought to be in jail, or maybe somebody who is, but not us. You know, and in all the world's view, uh, that might be true, but don't bet the farm that what the world thinks is good enough will actually be enough on the day when you really need it. See, God's standard is perfection. And we just had an example of what not perfect looked like in the news recently. Maybe you remember the story from a few weeks ago about the Arco gas station in Hollister. They were selling gas for 39 cents a gallon. It turned out that an employee had been trying to input the price at $3.39 and he forgot to put in the first three, the important one. When the line of cars got 70 deep, they figured out something was wrong. The station owner said that the mistake cost him about $4,000. The same thing happened last August at a gas station in Wisconsin, and at one in Phoenix that same month. Is that good fortune, or is it petty theft? What would you do if it happened to you? Think, ho, 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 while you filled up? Rationalize it? You know, big oil companies are making billions of dollars every year on us, aren't they? At our expense. They won't miss it. But in the end, see, they'll get theirs anyway from the station owner. He's the guy getting robbed. It all seems so innocent, though, out there in the darkness, doesn't it? 
even more so when there's no attendant on duty. In here, in the light on Christmas Eve, we all know the right answer. Notify the owner. Call the police. But in the cold, in the dark, out there in Isaiah's dark world, seems more like payback sometimes than pilfering. That's our sinful nature. You've got one, I've got one. The guy that porch pirated me yesterday, he's got one too. But, but we're leaving it to God. <laughs> it's something we're born with. Every person, since our very first parents has been born with it, passed down from one generation to the next. That tendency to do the things that, that lead us away from God instead of the things that draw us closer to God. It's really what allows us to justify everything from, from petty theft to addictive lifestyles. But tonight's about happy thoughts, and the happiest thought of all is that in spite of our not being near, nearly perfect enough to achieve everlasting life in heaven on our own, God loved us enough to send his son into our world to be perfect for us. That's what Christmas is all about. That's the incarnation. That's a church word that means God's son, Jesus, took on flesh and lived among us without sin to accomplish what we could never do. Living the kind of life, the the perfect life that God wants from us in our place. What a wonderful gift that is. You know, that little baby, true God and true man. He must not have looked much like a, the son of God that night, though, all wrinkled and pink and fresh. And that's one of the reasons a lot of people don't believe the story. Humble beginnings. They say, if God were really coming, you think he'd do it incognito? But think about it. Born of a virgin. Did you do that? I didn't think so. And like any mom, Mary would have held him close to keep him warm and protect him. Held his tiny hand in hers. You know, uh, uh, little fingers. One, two, three, four, five, like you moms do, right? Um, Hands that would one day learn to hold the tools of his earthly stepfather, Joseph, in his carpenter trade. Gentle hands that would never lash out at anyone. Hands whose very touch would one day heal and bring new life from death. Hands unafraid to touch life's cast-offs and and embrace sinners and reach out to all people, regardless of who they are. Hands that would touch lepers and restore dead flesh. Hands that would one day touch the eyes of the blind and give them sight. Hands that would touch twisted limbs and give them new strength. Hands that would one day reach out to, to hug and bless the littlest ones when he said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Mary would have held his tiny feet, amazed at how wonderfully they were made. You know, one, two, three, four, five toes. Little baby feet that would one day walk the dusty roads of Galilee, take him to places where he would preach the good news and teach strangers about a God who already knew them intimately and still loved them unconditionally. How could Mary ever have imagined the trials that this firstborn of hers would be forced to endure? It would have broken her heart a heart that was bursting with love. The day would come when those tiny hands and arms and feet, now a man's hands and arms and feet, would be stretched out and nailed to a rough-cut wooden cross where he would suffer and die as our substitute for our sins because even in the stable that Christmas night, the light of the torches and the Christmas star cast a shadow over the manger where he lay. Irma Bombeck once said, There's nothing sadder in this world than to awake Christmas morning and not be a child. I can understand where she's coming from, but I think on an even higher level, I'd have to say, yeah, but 
Once you really get Christmas, it only gets better with age because Christmas isn't about the presents. It's about the gift. Christmas is about getting what we don't deserve. Perhaps your life is filled with conflict, unhappiness, emotional pain this Christmas season. That's true for a lot of people. All the, unha- all the, uh, the happiness of the season really can't mask that desperate, the desperate hurt that many of us are really feeling inside. All the troubles of this life you know, are really just part and parcel of living in a dark, fallen world. The one that we helped make imperfect that was once God's perfect creation. But the gift of Christmas is about the healing and the sure hope and the happiness that transcends this earthly life with the promise of a better one. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow. Joy for all time. That's, that's the real gift of Christmas. Most of you are probably here tonight to celebrate this precious gift from God the Father of God the Son. You were drawn here by your faith in the Christ child, faith gifted to you by God the Holy Spirit through his word or maybe through the waters of holy baptism. Welcome. Others may be here out of curiosity or kindness to a loved one or maybe you just like singing the carols. Welcome. Christmas is a time rich in traditions and so Maybe you're here tonight out of a sense of tradition. It's what your family always did when you were growing up. Uh, It was Christmas Eve. Well, even if that's what brought you here, welcome. For no matter who you are or why you're here tonight, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Now may that very special peace of God that passes all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.